What's going on, everybody? Nigel Marcellus here. Welcome to another episode of the Nigel Marcellus interview series. Um, one, I want to shout out all my people, all the listeners, all the homies, all my friends, everybody. You know, the community that we have is love. I appreciate everybody for tapping in. You know, the goal, the dream is to become a talk show host. I'm not there yet. So time being, y'all going to have to rock with me on podcasts, on YouTube, on Instagram, anywhere you see me. You know, you're going to have to get that podcast vibe until or talk show vibe until I get there. Um, but time being, right now, I would like to introduce somebody who's incredible, amazing. She does a lot of great work in Boston. She is a therapist. And honestly, the way I came across her page, I'm going to let y'all know after I introduce her. But Michaela, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I can't complain. I'm actually uh, tired, but mm-hmm. it's like a good tired. You know what I mean? Just life is life right now, but it's going well once so I'm I'm happy. Yep. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm also tired. It's been a long day working. Um it's been kind of busy, but I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I'm really glad that you're here. And honestly to like really just jump into like how I even found you. So Mm -hmm. I have a friend who doesn't claim me as a friend. And that in itself is a conversation in itself. But um he always sends like these different like mental health quotes and I always send him different like mental health quotes. And mm-hmm. I would say like a week or two ago, what popped up was that post that she made about men's mental health month and talking about like for black <laughs> men, how it's okay for you to take up space, be vulnerable, stop for a while, make peace with your mistakes, take as much time as you need mm-hmm. um, and the rest of it. And me and him really had like a deep conversation about like how important it is for us to continuously like, take up space, give each other space, um, be there for each other. And mm-hmm. I saw that and I was like, yo, this is a really dope post. Who posted it? So I went on your page and I did a deep dive. I mean, like I went all the way back and I would, and when I saw that you're from Boston and for the people who don't know, I'm originally from Massachusetts, um, right outside of Boston. Like it really hit mm-hmm. home because I have a lot of family, friends, people, like that's my, that's home. You know what I mean? And to see you doing the work, and I started to think about like how many therapists I know in Boston and I don't know anybody. So like when I saw you and I was like, oh, you out there doing the work? I was like, nah, that's that's gang, bro. She, she's dope. Thank you. Yeah, that's so dope that your friend, like that you guys exchange those kinds of quotes. That's like really positive that you guys are doing that for each other. Um, and I'm glad that you were able to find my page and find me so that I could be here today. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, what... Uh, what kind of like inspired you to even like post that? Like what was the the thinking behind it? How did you even come up and create that? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think just in general, when um in the process of making content, it really depends on like different factors, like the mood that I could be in that week or what's coming up for me, or it could just be what the month is. And because that month was men's mental health month, it just made sense to dedicate a post to y'all. And then I also think about like in the process of creating that post, just the men that I have in my life and, you know, how they're navigating life and wanting them to know that they can express themselves, they can cry, they can be vulnerable. And I think like encouraging other women as well to see that who also have men in their life to do that for them as well so that they can have those spaces to be um, to be men and to be human. Mm. So with that being said, because I know, again, like you're a therapist, you work with a lot of different people. 
Um, recently, one of my friends who's actually in school right now to become a therapist, he's talking about how like his clinicals, he has these different clients or his different sessions. He has different clients and he notices when it comes to black men, it's a lot more difficult and a lot more work for him to really try to like get them to open up even when they're in that therapy space. Do you feel like you've had like the same experience working with black men? It's actually really interesting because I've I've worked with men, but I mostly worked with Hispanic men. Mm. There was an agency that I worked for as a substance use, um, I worked with the substance use population and it was predominantly Hispanic men. And there was obviously some women there as well. So in my experience, I actually haven't done any work with black men. I have worked with black kids mm. in like adolescence, but not any um, men yet, which is very interesting. Mm, that's that's very interesting and i think mm -hmm. you know, too like it it makes sense too yeah, like i hate to say it but it like really makes sense because i think it, we're still in a in a time where i think conversations about like therapy taking care of yourself self-help um mm -hmm. they're definitely rising we're having them more but i think still the the action of going to therapy is still like a big jump and i could even look at some of like my friends family members who still have never been to therapy, still kind of have that hesitation about it. So, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised either, I think, because there's so much stigma out there about men going to counseling and seeking help, that all that shame that they may have to go see a counselor it makes it really difficult for them to actually, like, come to us and be open to it. Mm -hmm. Um I do know that one day when I have the opportunity to work with a black male, like I know that's going to be an exciting opportunity for me because I'm like, finally, I got to work with someone, um, you know, and I can help them. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, right. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about like black males, I always find it like interesting how like people learn about or think of masculinity in different ways. And I'm just curious, like what, how did you, Growing up, what was masculinity to you? Like, what was, like, the ideal Black man? I would say growing up, it's been a learning process of what masculinity means. Um, so I was raised by both my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, they split up pretty early on in my childhood, and I ended up living with my mom and my stepfather. Um and I think being able to watch the way that he treats my mom, I got a positive representation of what a Black man is supposed to be. Um, and it's someone who takes care of their partner. They listen. They also communicate well. They um, are open to having difficult conversations with their partner. And I think just like modeling, he's modeled for me um, just positive parts of what being a man is i never really seen like a man in my life not be positive hmm. so hmm. with that being said like what was kind of like your experiences meeting men um dating in general because i think like sometimes like when you have those positive exposures which is like really great and really necessary but then when you compare it to how low the bar actually is for men it, mm -hmm. The math don't always be mathing. So what was it like for you kind of like dating and exploring? It was hard dating. It was definitely really hard dating because as much as I seen that happening in my home and seeing like how a man is supposed to be treating a woman, 
Um, in my own experience with dating, I never really feel like I got treated properly by men. And I feel like because that happened so many times that it almost like impacted my self-esteem and the way that I navigate relationships. Um, and I think part of that, like, it just kind of molds the way that I view men moving forward. Like as much as I may see it in my home, it kind of changes as I'm also dealing with life in front of me. Yeah, no, that's real. I'm sorry that happened too. And but shit, mm -hmm. you know, the, the bar is low. Yeah, I think it happens to a lot of women. So yeah, yeah, yeah. From from a lot of the, the stories I hear, the, the bar is absolutely in hell. Um mm -hmm. wow, that's crazy. So but like, I haven't I haven't too. Sorry okay. to cut you off. Oh no, you good. I also feel like one thing that I kind of missed out on in my childhood and like growing up is like learning how a man's actually supposed to be like how a man's supposed to actually be treating me as much as I've seen it I feel like I never really learned like what I'm supposed to be deserving in a relationship so I mm. feel like during those times that I was dating I was very gullible or I didn't understand men I didn't know how to actually date men um and like what I actually deserve so I feel like that in itself also played a part yeah what would you tell your younger self now? Um, I think I would tell my younger self to not try to force something that's not meant to be. Um, that if things are kind of aligned the way that they are, just trust God and have faith in what my journey is supposed to look like, but not try to dictate what my future is supposed to look like all the time. No, that's real. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny that you say that, too, because I think even in my experiences when it came to, like, dating women, it's it's just almost like that feeling of, like, you have to almost, like, force making it happen. Like, the connection you notice is, like, dying out or it's not all the way there. But it's almost like I always took it, internalized it as it's my fault. Like, it's up to me to say mm -hmm. this. It's up to me to um, make this work. And I think to your point, like, that power of being able to just let go is so much more mm -hmm. essential, so much more needed. Because I think when you try to force those connections and you're trying to make it work, you're already watering a dead plant. Like it shouldn't be such a hard time to like really make that happen. Yep. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And I feel like that applies to not just intimate relationships, but like friendships as well. That if things are just kind of fading away, you just Sometimes you just let it happen and you accept that process and be able to move forward. Yeah, friend friendship breakups are real. And I think like we don't we definitely don't talk about that enough, but friendship breakups, woo. Oh my goodness. Don't don't even get me started. <laughs> they are real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I I think like for me, it's I I grew up more so like being a people pleaser for sure. Like Absolutely. So I'm always kind of like felt the need to try to cater to other people, put other people before myself. And I, I think like a lot of times, I remember I had a therapist that told me once, like, it's okay to not be liked. It's okay to not like somebody. And I think like mm -hmm. one of my biggest problems, like I always wanted to be liked, that like when in mm -hmm. certain friendships, when it definitely was like that, that ship was sinking. I'm over here like, mm -hmm. nah, we got to now nah, let's make it work. Come on, bro. Let's make it work. And then when it kind of like blows up and it just doesn't work out, that breakup 
always hurt. Like it was always felt so much deeper as far as like, so what I do wrong? Like, what am I doing? How come we couldn't make that work? So yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to navigate like those breakups anymore for real. It's so hard. I've had so many like friendships fall apart and I feel like the old me was I, I still the new me as well. Like I really value friendships um, and I take them very seriously. And like every person that I've met in my life, they hold a place in my heart. So when those friendships end, it's like very traumatic for me to like have to go through that. And it also I feel like it impacts like your ability to make new friends um, and just like your ability to be able to trust people to mm. accept them back. Because you don't know if those friendships are going to continue or not. How do you how do you know when to trust somebody? Um, I feel like only time can really tell. Like it just takes for you to see action and see that they aren't betraying your trust, that they're loyal to you. Um, you can also tell by just how they talk about other people. If they're talking about people that they consider to be like their best friend, then I just feel like you can do the same thing to me. So I'm very mindful of how people talk about other people as well. Mm. No, that's a, that's a good quality to like look out for. I think I, I struggle mm -hmm. with the, the whole trust thing. I'm not I'm not the most trusting person, but at the same time, I feel like I could be like overly trusting. Is this is this like black or white? No gray areas. Like, oh yeah, I trust you with my whole life and my whole existence, or it's like I don't stay with you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. what I what I've almost learned is being able to not jump so deep in with people and really give space and give time for friendships to build. And I think like that's the one of the biggest lessons I've learned, especially like recently, because I, I, I'm so used to being an only child. And that's like a conversation point that all, often comes up. And being an only child, you don't have friends. So it's like, either you're my brother, you're my sister, or it's nothing. Yep. So like for me, I'm like, I'm really like big on like, all right, come on, we get real close real quick. And I had to almost learn how to like slow it down and not give mm -hmm. so much of myself to people and have an expectation that they're going to give it back. Because usually it, it never works out in the ways in which I think it would. Yeah, that's so funny. I'm an only child too. And I never meet people that are like only child. Really? Like this. Yeah, I don't. It's like very rare. <laughs> what was it like for you growing up as an only child? Gotta ask. I feel like only children are just the bomb. Like we're fun. We know how to keep ourselves occupied. Um, I never wanted siblings growing up because I just wanted to be the only one um, for both of my parents. I would have probably like, I would probably cry if they had other children. <laughs> now that I'm older, I'm like, I could have like I I could benefit from having like an older brother to just like guide me through life and you know having an older sister I could borrow her clothes like stuff like that mm -hmm. I'd be thinking about you feel like you'd be a good like younger sister or not younger an older sister would I be a good older sister mm -hmm. uh I don't know I'm <laughs> not sure like how much older like what would be the age difference Ooh, that's a good question. Cause age age difference does matter. Let's yeah. say let's say three, three to five. Oh, three to five. That's not bad. I think if we're like 
somewhat close in age that could work but if it's like a younger younger sister mm-hmm. like I don't do good with kids <laughs> to be <laughs> honest I don't have the patience or the time yeah um, but yeah who knows that's real no I, I get that I've always gotten of like I'm almost the opposite of you like growing up I used to almost like beg my parents to have a kid I'd be like mm-hmm. yo please like do something I would even like advocate for adoption like adopt I just didn't always want it to be by myself. Like, I, I learned how to like navigate that, and I think a lot of who I am today is really shaped and built off being an only child because I spent a lot of time with myself, a lot of time thinking, a lot of time reflecting, and I think that's why I can be so introspective and be so open and really understand my emotions. So I'm thankful for that side of it, but I feel like a lot of that was the result of the loneliness that came with that. So like, I had no other choice but to be by myself, to reflect by myself. So I think like when I was younger, I was definitely one of those people who was like, please, mom and dad, give me a friend or give me a, a sibling. But then because I didn't have one, that's when like friends to me was like family. Like everybody, I, I couldn't tell you, I lost count of how many times like I've had best friends in my mind that in my mind, I was like, yo, they're my brother. Like I'm riding with them forever. They're my A1 day one. Just mm-hmm. to like that rotation to be like, oh, they're gone. And then the next person and then the next person. Yep. I've had I've had very similar experiences um, with friendships, like either falling away or being ghosted and never knowing what happened. And it definitely leaves like a lot of damaging effects on a person um, in terms of how they're maneuvering like new relationships with people. But yeah, you made a really good point about just being an only child. I definitely noticed that um, I became very independent because of it. With being like a lot more independent now and also being an only child, what kind of inspired you to be a therapist? Like, how did you even fall into that? It's a long story. (laughs) Um, So when I actually went into school, I was an education major. Hmm. I don't know why I was. um, My mom is the one that actually told me to go to school to be an education major because she was like, you would be a great teacher, all these things. And in my head, I'm like, I don't even like kids. Like... I, I could not do this. So I was an education major for a little bit. I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't really doing well in my classes. So one day I just told my mom that like, I don't think it's working out for me. Mm-hmm. And she suggested, she was like, oh, well, why don't you go to school for psychology? And I didn't know anything about psychology or like what that had to do with. Um, but I took her judgment because my mom is a very smart woman. And I just trust like the things that she says. Mm-hmm. So I went to school for psychology. I loved the classes. I remember in high school, I got in trouble for plagiarizing my papers. And that's because I used to I used to cheat a lot in high school. <laughs> but once I got to college, you know, it got a little bit more serious. Um, mm-hmm. I started actually just writing my papers and I fell in love with the topics related to psych. Um, I just fell in love with writing. I was getting better grades. So I was like, all right, this is working for me. And then I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology. And then after that, there wasn't much that I was really able to do with it. Like I was Mm -hmm. able to be like a residential counselor or like an ABA therapist, but it wasn't the stuff that I actually wanted to do. So I felt like once I got my degree, like it just, it kind of felt like a piece of paper. I was like, what am I doing with this? Yeah. And then I decided to go back to school to get my master's because I knew there would be more opportunities to do things with the fields. 
Um, and then that's when I like fell into mental health counseling and I learned more about it. Like it wasn't until I actually got in the field that I learned about mental health. Like I did not even know anything about it until I started doing the work. Wow. What was prior to like getting into the field in a sense, what kind of, where was like your headspace when it came to like mental health? Like, were you the person who, like when you were bad, it was just like, you do it away. You didn't really care. Um, were you always trying to be strong? Like, how did you kind of like never navigate mental health prior to doing the work? In college, I was honestly, I feel like I was a little crazy. <laughs> I feel like I didn't have any awareness of myself or like even my own toxic behaviors or the way I was allowing toxicity to like follow me throughout college. And it wasn't until like, I would say something that happened in college that was kind of traumatic for me was all my friends leaving school and me being there isolated like by myself a lot of the time it gave me opportunity to actually reflect on a lot of things um it made me go harder in school and it also is what drove me into like seeing a therapist myself mm -hmm. and I didn't even know what I was going to therapy for I just knew that it was available and it was free on our campus so I went and just like being able to unravel a lot of the things that I was going through, it really helped me to realize like, I do have depression, I do have anxiety, like these things are coming up for me. And then that even like being on the other side of um, in a therapy office just empowered me to like want to be there for someone else as well who may be going through similar things. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that for multiple, multiple reasons. One, because I think mm -hmm. like, being able to take care of yourself is like the most important thing. Like everything happens with through ourselves first. Um, two, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the people who listen are in college still. And I have mm -hmm. a lot of conversations with college students about the importance of being able to take care of yourself. And a lot of what you said mm -hmm. as far as like almost familiarizing yourself with toxicity um, continuously mm -hmm. around it, continuously chasing it, or like not being able to separate mm -hmm. yourself from it, is something that's like so real and so prevalent for a lot of students because they don't recognize like the deeply rooted problems that are bringing that cycle into fruition. So yeah. I think like being able to like have that courage and have that confidence to almost like seek out therapy and take advantage of the free because therapy is not cheap, but to take advantage oh. of the free is like. Amazing. So I, I really do appreciate you for sharing that. And I'm hoping anybody listening, especially if you're in college, to be able to like take take advantage of those free opportunities because it's once you I promise you, I say this all the time. Y'all hear me say it. Adulting is ghetto. The minute you get out of school, oh my God, them prices. Oh them prices. It's crazy. Definitely take opportunity of that free gym, that the resources the library, the food, everything, the bed, having some, like everything. It's just so expensive. It, so it really expensive. is. It's, how, how do you, how are you even navigating being an adult? Because listen, I'm off insurance now. I'm still learning like how to navigate being <laughs> off insurance. <laughs> the worst, how, are, like, how are you adulting? Oh my goodness. I don't even feel like I have the answers for that. It's so hard. I call my mom for everything for everything I'm like I don't know how to do this like I don't know how to grocery shop I don't know how to 
pay a bill. I don't want to do anything. I got to call her and be like, how do I do this stuff? I am the it's... worst grocery shopper on the planet. Like, <laughs> yo, I will go with no, I would, in my mind, I'll be like, all right, I am going to pick up some chicken and that's it. Then oh. I'll walk every aisle, end up leaving the grocery with like more groceries that I didn't even need. Oh, yeah, now nah, grocery shopping is actually hard as hell. It's stressful. It takes trial and error to learn how to grocery shop because when I first did it and I lived on my own, I was buying all these fruits and all these things that are just going bad. I'm like, I didn't know I had to freeze them. <laughs> I didn't know how to freeze fruit for it to say like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, it's ugly out here. Being an adult is not fun. I remember being younger and being like, yeah, I can't wait till I'm 21. Can't wait till I'm an adult. No. Take me back. Please. Let's go back. Please bring me back. Um, yep. What I wanted to ask you, though, and this is something I've been asking. Um, I love to ask a lot of people this question because I feel, again, you are, like, really, really dope. And I hope you take away and really understand, like, you're really dope. And I think a lot of people... They hear that and they don't water it because we it's easy for us to like downplay ourselves. Um, and even mm -hmm. myself, I'm still trying to practice on giving myself a lot more credit. With you, mm -hmm. what is something that you accomplished and downplayed, but it deserves to be celebrated? Hmm. What have I accomplished? I feel like I've accomplished a couple of things. Like I finished school. Um I bought a car, I got an apartment, but I don't feel like I really downplay those things. I feel like I hype myself up about it. Like I'm proud of it and I post everything that I do, like every accomplishment that I have, I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't say that I'm someone that downplays my accomplishments. I will say that sometimes it can be hard for me to like accept compliments from other people. Mm -hmm. Like they'll tell me and you know, I'll say thank you. Like, I appreciate all those things. But then I'm like, it doesn't really like sit with me. Like, I don't really take a moment to think like someone really took the time to compliment something about what I'm doing. And I think just having those moments to like sit there and just appreciate that you're receiving compliments from people and they're noticing the stuff that you're doing is important too. You know, so you answer the question I'm going to ask because a lot of, I'm definitely, I deflect. I'm a king of deflective. Like, you tell me something, like, yeah, thanks. Appreciate you. Keep it pushing. Right. And my question was, like, how do you get to a place to, like, really, really internalize that, though? You know what I mean? Because a lot of people really, it's funny, like, we we overly fixate on, like, the criticism. So if I tell you, mm -hmm. like, oh, you're bad at this or you're due to this, we always focus on that. But when it comes to people actually giving us praise and giving us those compliments, like, we're really great at, like, nah, okay, cool, or down. So, like, how can we get to a place to really, really internalize those compliments? Mm -hmm. I think just, you know, taking what people are saying to you and just telling them naturally, like you appreciate what they're telling you and thinking about it for a second, like this person is telling me like they really appreciate the content that I'm posting. And that means making more content to keep posting because someone is liking it and someone's noticing. So I think when people are <clears throat> pointing things out about you that they really appreciate or really value, just like continue and keep going. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the one thing I was going to ask you. So when I was like researching and just kind of like looking up different work that you do, I saw that mm -hmm. you can cook. Am I? 
right? Like, you can, like, and when I say cook, I, I don't mean what I be doing, like the little quick meals. Like, you cook, cook. Like, mm-hmm. what's, yep. how did you, like, when did you find the passion of cooking? And how do you even balance cooking and mental health and all the stuff that you're doing? I think because there's so many different parts to me, like, mental health is like, one small piece and then like cooking is another small piece like there are so many different things that I like to do and cooking for me is like it's a real special place like when I'm cooking I don't want nobody in the kitchen just me like don't bother me don't call me nothing um also like on my dad's side everyone there cooks really really good like they're all like chefs and I feel like I've been able to adopt a lot of like their cooking skills and I just put that into making a page. Okay. What's your top five top five favorite foods? I like Alfredo pasta. Okay. I like salmon. I like jerk chicken. Um I need two more, right? hmm I like I like fish cakes. They're from okay. Barbados. Um, and I just, I don't know, I like chicken and rice. <laughs> okay. It could just be any kind of chicken, really. Okay. <laughs> I just like to eat. It doesn't even matter at this point. I just like to eat. <laughs> no, listen, I, I wish I could cook like y'all, man. I feel like I'm really like, when it comes to me, this is, this is so terrible. When it comes to me, I'm really, really, really like basic when it comes to cooking. Mm-hmm. Like I'll cook the most simple like chicken, salmon, rice, broccoli. I could eat that literally a week mm-hmm. straight. When it comes to other people, I will go above and beyond the call of duty to cook for people. But for myself, it's like I give myself like the most basic stuff all the time. And I'm really trying to get in the habit of like cooking more. But it's just mm-hmm. me, me and this PhD program right now, we just not seeing eye to eye because it's taking a it's taking up a lot of my time. And it's mm. mm-hmm. It does take a lot of time. I think like it's different. I feel like when I'm cooking for people, I put in more love into my food. But when I'm cooking for myself and I'm just on the go, like I don't even do all that sometimes. Mm. <laughs> so I what's your like go-to meal? Especially um, when you're on the go. Life is busy. You're like, oh my goodness. Like, what is the thing that you make like real quick for yourself? Oh, definitely salmon. Cause it the process quick and it cooks pretty quick. Okay. So I'm guessing like seafood is definitely like one of your favorite types of food of all. I wouldn't say all seafood. Like I'm not a big shrimp eater. I don't I don't like lobster because I don't like to have to work to eat my food. I agree. Um, I agree. I do not like working to eat. No. Yeah. So I'm very like limited on seafood. I would probably just say like fish to be honest. Okay. I rock with that. Minus the shrimp. Shrimp is a little blasphemous, but it's fine. It's fine. Shrimp goes crazy. Okay. Now, that's what's up. And just like my last question for you, and it's just more so of like looking at or going back to like the work that you do in mental health, what is advice you would give to really anybody who's in that position where they're like, want to go to therapy but they have that barrier of like they're scared of what other people are think or they'll feel like they're gonna be weak or looked at as vulnerable what advice would you give those people 
I think my advice would be you only live once. So do what you want to do at the end of the day and try to just block out other people's opinions and what people are thinking about you. Mm. Michaela, mm. thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate the work that you do. Next time I'm in Massachusetts, I'm definitely buying a plate because I definitely yep. that, that food looks amazing. Um, but please continue doing the work that you're doing in mental health, sharing the resources, being an amazing resource to so many different people. Um, you are, again, dope, incredible. I'm glad to have you on here, and I'm definitely going to have you back. So just know we locked in, for sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. And to everybody else, thank y'all for listening. I will make sure to drop all her socials so you all can follow her. And, you know, catch me on the ne next episode. Peace and love, everybody.